This is The Strategist, episode 1286. My name is Zane Belgi. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, and guys, oh my god, we have done the unthinkable. Yeah, it's not Corey opening up his can of shitty ginger soda. No. No, we have done the unthinkable, Carter. What have we done? We have a we, guest on the show. Guest. Wait, we, what? This is this tragic. is mind blowing. And he is also, first of all, he's a he, and secondly, he's white. It's Dan Arnold, our <laughs> our campaign pollster. Now you might be wondering, guys. Wait, 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 wait. What campaign pollster? Listen, for a long time we've been accused of not taking this show seriously for for mailing it in, uh, for phoning it in. Uh, in Stephen Carter's case, there have actually been times yep. where Carter has tried to phone in on the show, uh, refusing yep. to use his podcast mic. Well, Carter, we're getting fucking serious, okay? Because you know what we're doing, Carter. This is a Zane Velji for leader of the Alberta NDP polling briefing episode. That is right. We have Dan Arnold, uh, many credentials, uh, of which uh, include being the Prime Minister's pollster. Yes, he actually was. Now the Chief Strategy Officer at Polera, big polling company. He's coming to us, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, you're yeah. forgotten in this, yeah, with well. an exclusive poll that has results not just on all the candidates that are running for the Alberta NDP leadership race, but for the candidate Carter, that's going to win the Alberta NDP leadership race. This is so race. exciting. And yeah. that is, of course, Zane Velger right in front of you. Dan, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I've been a fan of the pod since the Chester days, so I'm really excited to uh, to be here. It's a deep cut. It's a deep cut, yeah. Corey. Corey, <laughs> so this is not a joke. There are some people who actually think this is a complete pile of horseshit. No, this, everybody thinks this is a pile and of horseshit. And to prove that it's not a pile of horseshit less than two minutes in, they can actually access the full results of the polling that we're going to be talking about here, can't they? Yeah, mm -hmm. but not until tomorrow. So, like, anybody who's actually keen enough to listen will still think this is a pile of horse shit until, you know, midday Monday. That, that is true. The, the, these people will, 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 will actually not believe us for a good full 24 hours, which is generally the nature of our episode. But, Dan, you actually have done some polling on the Alberta NDP leadership race, have you not? This is a, a real poll. Uh, which we did among candidates. Listen, I have to ask you: like, when you do media stuff, normal? Or let's just say there's clients in a boardroom, yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time do you, you have your to underline? This is a real poll. Like, is that something that uh, you? That's often... usually how the presentations start. Like, I know you guys don't believe it. This is legit. This is something we actually did with real people on a real uh, survey. Okay, <laughs> very good. Uh, does it have a methodology that you want to make up? Or tell us that happened that did prove yeah. that it's a real poll. Yeah, damn. Yeah, I mean, we look. This is this is fifteen hundred Albertans. Uh, we fielded this poll uh, February eighth to fifteenth. So as the NDP race was kicking off, um, online panel, but sampled uh, and quotas set up for region, gender, age, income, you name it. Um, so yeah, this will be this will be representative of how Albertans feel about a lot of prominent Albertans and Zane Velji. So it's very exciting. Yeah, and so, and so I, I want to once again. I, I feel like you know I should have thought about this before the episode. Is that a lot of this episode is going to be us trying to push a rock up a hill to convince people that this is real? Okay, so <laughs> I want everyone to pause right now and Google Dan Arnold polling. And make sure that this is not just... Now, Dan is someone that we are very close to, an acquaintance of ours, a friend of ours, right? But also a kick-ass real person slash pollster, okay? If you if just quickly, just Google Dan Arnold. Okay, you see that? You see that beautiful face? Yeah. That guy actually does yeah. real polling, and that's who's talking to Dan, him. Yeah. Dan Zayn and I once stayed at the same hotel Elliot Spitzer had that thing with the call girl in Washington, D.C. Listen, uh, not just that. We stayed in the same hotel room. 
Uh, it's Corey. <laughs> the call girl wasn't there, though. Not Unclear antecedents. Not when you say time. we, you're not. <laughs> Good. Uh, Carter, do you want to get it out here? Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to say Dan and I actually worked on a campaign together. It was a it was please, a fantastic please, campaign. Please do not, please do not get into it. Dan, you remember the campaign okay. we worked on together? Why don't you tell the people about it? I, okay, hold on. Let's okay. Let's now open a Come second okay. campaign. No, 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 no. Dan, let Dan I will speak. let I will I will let him speak. But before I let him speak, I will also validate, verify, bring up for people that maybe a couple of days before the Alberta before the Alberta election here. The four of us were having lunch if I'm not mistaken. And there was an idea of doing a mini documentary series on this election campaign that Dan is about to mention. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I believe that was the the eight-part series Oral History of the Al-Nur Kassam oh, uh, mayoral campaign. Classic. Not quite as good a candidate as Justin Trudeau. If I'm going to put them head to head in terms of raw political skill. Um, but you know, we did, we had a good run in that campaign. Did Justin Trudeau just throw money at you? No, he did not. He was a pretty good candidate. Oh, and there's very few candidates that could throw uh, laundered Kenyan money at you to run their campaign. I was going to say there's no now, proof, but listen, he admitted it. A lot of so. people, a lot of people would say, "Man, Zane's being libelous here." No, he actually admitted this no, yeah. to reporters partway through the campaign. <laughs> good work, guys. Oh my God. Thanksgiving okay. Day massacre. So, so, okay, so Dan's a real pollster. This is yeah. a real poll. That's good. <laughs> Five minutes and 30 right. seconds in. Ted, do you want to tell Listen, us what this result Zane, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but you... I dug myself might, into this Might have undercut his, uh, you know, credibility a bit with that I... Al Nor break into the, <laughs> the main content. That was my fault. I Everyone's got to cut their teeth yeah. somewhere, okay? Everyone's got to yeah. cut their teeth. That's true. Okay, Dan, That's true. You, have, you have a real poll done by Polera, 1,500 Alburns. You want to tell us a bit about the methodology and then maybe start with, like, give us a state of the race. What are some of the top line findings that you have? Yeah, so let's just talk about the the big question that I think any leadership candidate wants to ask themselves before they decide if they're going to jump in or not is do I even want to win this thing? Um, you know, I would I think actually the best decision Pierre Polyev has ever made in his political career was to take a pass on the 2020 conservative leadership race when he probably would have ended up losing the next election and waiting till the time was more opportune for him to run uh, two years later. So you know the question is like does the NDP even have a chance to win the next election uh, in the post Rachel Notley era? And that's something you know Zane you and uh, many prominent candidates. Dates, I'm sure need to think about. Uh, so we did ask people on this poll, how are you going to vote in the next election campaign? Uh, are you likely to vote NDP no matter who the leader is? That was about a quarter of Albertans. So, you know, as a base compared to historically, mm -hmm. not bad for the NDP to have that to work off of. And then you've got another third of Albertans who said, I might or might not, depending who the leader is. So you're close to 60% of Albertans who say, I might vote NDP. 64% in Calgary, which we know is pretty important. So I think the potential is there for whoever wins to become the next premier. And if, you know, if you're a star candidate who's deciding whether or not to give up a lucrative career in podcasting to run or not, um, you know, I think those are encouraging numbers. And I think there's, uh, there's actually some potential there. Uh, nothing's guaranteed. You know, things can change a lot in three years, and we don't know exactly how this candidate's going to do. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I think there's at least some potential there. Okay. Okay. Let's yeah, let, you guys jump in because you guys will have questions. I'll have questions. And then we'll get to the heart of the matter, which is how the fuck is Zane Velji doing? Corey. Oh, got to say, like an accessible voter universe of 60%. I know not measured in a traditional accessible voter universe sense is it's not bad. No, really. You know, I, I, it's, I would actually think that that's a bit higher than I would have expected simply because we live in such bloody polarized times where people are just, you know, they're with you or they're against you. And hey, Zane, 
you know so far so good podcaster v podcaster so far so good i'm getting excited so far well she had a she had a well we probably have more listeners um carter any questions any questions from you uh and i wanted to ask dan were you surprised by six out of ten people being open to voting for the ndp in this next next election but carter i'll let you i'll let you go first uh no i have no questions for dan at this point thank you very much zane okay dan (laughs) lay it on me were you surprised by that um, to some extent, I think there's a perception out there that Notley was pulling up the NDP brand. And I mean, she's always pulled ahead of the party brand, but I think there's enough of a lasting legacy there that there are at least people that are open to it, which is, you know, all I can really hope for a three years out from an election campaign. Okay, Zane, so I now have a question. Yeah, of course you fucking do. Go yeah. ahead. How did this compare to any numbers that you may have generated prior to the last election? What was the NDP voter universe, say, prior to the, the election last year? Yeah, I mean, we'd ask the question a little bit differently then, but um, you know, generally speaking, I'd say in a in a similar universe, you know, so very competitive, probably open, yeah, competitive. Very good. Thank you. Okay, Dan, where are we going from here? Do you do you want to give me the break? Do you want to break my heart? Do you want to do you want to do you want to elate me with with how well I'm doing? What is that where we're going next, Dan? Yeah, well, I mean, you said so far so good for Zane Velge. Now we'll get to the part that's maybe not as all rosy for Zane Velge. Well, it's just an talk... opportunity. <laughs> yeah. well, yes, exactly. This when is, we, good. When this is why we need about... strategists and pollsters. That's good. <laughs> that, that interaction well, we right ta- there just proved why. Okay, go ahead, Dan, please. We really take we'll, the shit we'll out of Dan. About, for... We'll talk about familiar, familiarity and impressions of the uh, the different candidates here. Okay, later on. So let's talk about do Albertans know who these people are? Um, Daniel Smith and Red Chenotley, pretty good benchmarks. You've got 80% of Albertans who say, I know something about each of these individuals here. So that's kind of the high water mark. Eventually, you'd probably want to get to. Um, among the declared candidates, Sarah Hoffman, 23%, say they know something about her. That's more than double uh, where Ganley and Pancholi are at, at 9 and 7%. So, you know, Hoffman, the best known of the three who've declared. Uh, Nenshi would dwarf them. He's at over half of Albertans who say they know something about him. And even just as a comparison point, um, you know, Don Iveson's only one in four Albertans. So even by the kind of mayoral standards, Nenshi does have a brand that reaches outside of Calgary. He's, he's tied with Hoffman and Edmonton in terms of familiarity level. So he's got a lot of profile there. Um, as for Zane, a surprisingly high 4% of Albertans yes! say they know a few things about Zane Belgi, which is, I will say, outside of the poll's margin of error. The margin of error is uh, about 2% here. So uh, that is a uh, a real number of people who at least claim to know something about Zane Belgi. Um, obviously, those uh, those bench signs in Che have boosted his, his profile <laughs> to some extent. It's done some work. But I think you may want to think about expanding beyond just that market to get his numbers a bit higher in the rest of the province. He's only at 2% outside of Calgary and Edmonton. So that's an area where uh, Albertans don't know a lot about him. Hey, Dan, sorry to jump in, but what percent of people generally say the moon landing was faked? Just as a benchmark here? Well, we, um, I mean, I do this a lot on surveys. I'll test fake news stories. Um, I do a question um, where we're testing policy awareness. Have you heard about the Treaty of Algeron, which is a treaty between the United Federation of Planets yeah. and the, uh, and the, the Roman Romulans. Empire, of yeah. course. And you usually get about uh, you know, 5 to 10% of Canadians who say that they are familiar with that. So Zane is a little bit below the Treaty of Algeron <laughs> levels right now. Um, but, you know. As you said, there's room for growth, right? Room for growth. Yeah. Room for growth. Room for, like, a, like a Drake song. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, okay, Dan, um, what surprised you here? You got you got Notley and Smith, 80-ish percent, 8 out of 10 Alberns, right, if I'm reading this correctly. Nenshi at over 50%. Uh, 
Did the Nenshi numbers surprise you? Did the numbers for Hoffman, Pancholi, or Ganley surprise you? The declared candidates? Like, give me give me your sort of bit of analysis here around around just sort of overall familiarity here. Uh, what what kind of took you by surprise, or what, what do you think is interesting? I mean, I'm not surprised that Nenshi's numbers are high. Even you know, I'm in uh, I'm in Ottawa, and even in in Ontario, he's actually like people know who Nenshi is to some extent. He's got a lot of profile. So that's not shocking that his numbers are high. They are higher among older Albertans. So, you know, that's something where people who are maybe younger aren't quite as familiar with the history there. Um, you know, I think, you know, seeing Hoffman ahead of Ganley and Pancholi, maybe not surprising, but it does, you know, I think speak to um, just the, the, the higher profile that she's got compared to her, uh, her caucus colleagues just from her uh, background. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me Obviously, uh, both Hoffman and Gandley were in the government. Um, Hoffman was for sure a higher profile minister. She was the deputy premier and she was the minister of health, which is just a bigger job than minister of justice. But I was a little surprised by that cleave, right? Like that's a big divide. Uh, you know, Racky Pancholi wasn't a minister. Zane Velji isn't a minister yet. I just kind of, I'm surprised Hoffman's is so high, to be honest, just using uh, Gandley as a yardstick. Yeah, it's interesting, Carter. And like you've you've seen this before, like the 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 fact that someone dominates a geography, but it's it's not just like the 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 fact that she's been a minister. And I'm now entering Dan, Dan's terrain. But Carter, what do you kind of look at that from a strategist perspective when you see your your competition effectively having at least declared competition having such an advantage on you in in that regard? And I know that's not the full picture, Dan. We'll get to that in a second. But just in terms of familiarity, Carter, like when you if you were to just look at the stat alone, where would your mind go? Well, my my mind is always very interested in in name recognition because once you know someone, you're bound to have some sort of an opinion. And the next set of things that Dan is testing is, you know, what do you think of this person? And so the higher the name recognition, the more likely people are to have an opinion about you. And then there's going to be a ratio uh, for for Nenshi. I think it's two to one. I'll let Dan get into the details. But I'm spoilers. I'm man. I'm, I'm I'm really intrigued with. Um, how high Sarah Hoffman is in terms of her name recognition and what that bodes for her campaign. People think in a campaign that high name recognition is really good. And there's a degree of truth to that. Like you'd rather be Nenshi than Zane Velji. I mean, on every level, but nonetheless, (laughs) let's take, let's unpack that. Let's unpack that. Nonetheless, you've got the opportunity to reintroduce yourself to people and to have people like you. Um, Whereas a lot of people, don't like Nahed Denchi. They already know him and they know they have an opinion that they do not like him. In fact, about 20 times the number of people who like you don't like Nahed Denchi. So that's a big... I'm going to hold big, that over him. That's good. Yeah, that's good I stat. think that's a big thing. Yeah, that's a big stat. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, like I do, want, I do want to say like familiarity, for sure, not everything. It, in fact, I would argue in a leadership race, not even like in a top five things, if it was... Ken Dryden might have done a little bit better in the 2006 so, liberal leadership. You know what? This is interesting. Like, and Dan, Dan, like, I'll get you to chime in on here, too, before we kind of jump to the next section, because I think this is interesting what the guys are throwing out there. Often, we don't have access to what Dan's providing us today. Just let's be totally clear. Like, Dan, there's... No, I mean, Stephen and I do all You, you yeah, don't. Do. You don't. You, gen- you generally don't. You, you. Just, you generally don't. Um, you generally don't. No, no. I, you know, mm-hmm. They really don't, Carter. But you don't have a chance to often have the depth that you want in your question line, right? Let's just be totally honest for a second. Sometimes you have you pick up fragments because you don't have the budget, you don't have the expertise available on hand. You pick up fragments from an omnibus, for example, on familiarity, and you have to go with it. If you two were going simply on familiarity, 
Uh, and Dan, I'll get you to chime in on this on the back end. I'll ask Corey and Stephen first. If all you saw was what Dan lays out here in the familiarity numbers, how would you be starting to think of making a case here? Because you you both say it's important, but not everything. Corey, like how if if this is the only data point, how do you start slicing it from here? If it's the only data point, it doesn't mean very much to me at all. Uh, I think it's one of these things that you need to use as a crosstab, right? You need to understand, okay, these people know them. That actually affords us probably a better better comfort that these numbers mean something once you actually get into those, like, what do you feel about the individual, right? Pretty tough at 4% to say it means too much. A lot easier to say at 80% if it means something, right? But let's put it this way. Familiarity is very misleading on its own, potentially, because there's also the question of notoriety. Like, if you... uh, if you looked up Paul Bernardo, his familiarity would be very high. Do I think he's going to win the NDP leadership race simply because he's got high familiarity? No, absolutely not. Uh, but it is, you know, all things being equal, probably better to be known than not, for sure. But uh, it's not everything. You have to be very careful. Carter, if this that. was an omnibus question, you got just one of one. How would you would you be largely discarding it or would you be starting to think about it in some way as, as being an important data point for you? Almost every campaign I, st- I do, I do a five question omnibus and familiar name recognition and, uh, f- you know, uh, impressions are where we go with the, the with that omnibus. I generally don't do the who are you going to vote for question because it's useless at that time. But, um, you know, had Nenshi was name recognition was like in the margin of error when we started. Um, in 2010, you yeah, mean. in 2010, um, you know, uh, Gondek name recognition was 7%. Um, you know, 7%. I mean, it's, it, that's it's Zane Velji numbers. Zane Velji numbers. Yeah. Um, in fact, Maggie Zane Velji did much better than, than Gondek did in the campaign, uh, at the start of the campaign. And the same was true with Alison Redford. The, the, the lack of name recognition numbers doesn't say you're going to finish there. It says you have a different job to do. Right. Uh, and that job is, name recognition as well as um, trying to push some sort of, uh, you know, sales campaign as well. You have to introduce yourself to the electorate. I think that's a really important point about it just changes the job that you need to do, right? In Mm -hmm. some cases, it's getting people who are familiar with you and like you to buy memberships. In other cases, it's uh, allowing you to craft a story of a candidate and then finding people that that story appeals to. And actually, your point about where Nahed Nenshi was in 2010, your point about where Jyoti Gondek was in 2021, super important as well, because there is something to be said for having a lower familiarity in some cases as there well, is. because it allows you to construct a story. I, like, listen, I, I think one of the, the realities of somebody at the top of that list, like Danielle Smith or Rachel Notley, People feel things about them. They yeah. they think they know them. They have opinions about them. And it's hard to change those sometimes. And, uh, you know, the opportunity that some of the other candidates lower on the list have is they can craft the story for them and introduce themselves in a way that is advantageous for the thing they're doing right now, right? Everything can be crafted for the thing they're doing right now in a way that more known commodities simply do not have available to them. Okay, Dan, do you want to react to the, the question about familiarity, and then I'll let you kind of take it to, to where you want to go next, whether you want to break it down by region, which you have in your in your full report, or you want to take us to uh, the part that might actually break my heart. 
Yeah, I mean, on familiarity, I think it's safe to say that familiarity is an advantage. It's not a requirement. Stephen's obviously shown in his campaigns he can take somebody from Zane Velge levels and and bring him to the top. <laughs> um, but on the other side of it, I do remember in uh, you know in 2015, I'd be doing focus groups for the Liberal Party in the lead up to mm. that election campaign. And one thing we'd always do is we put pictures of the leaders on the wall and ask people on sticky notes to write down what do you like about this person, what do you not like about this person. And the first couple times I did this, half the group would put up their hands and say, well, who's the guy with the beard up there? Because they had no idea who Tom Mulcair was. They'd never seen him before. Whereas Justin Trudeau, they had literally known him since he was in diapers. And, you know, that builds some level of connection uh, with the individual and it makes it easier uh, in that respect. Now, that's... So, so now, Dan, was when that, did he stop wearing yeah, diapers? Yeah, when was that? <laughs> yeah. Was that... Just, Recently? That's uh, no, top, no, no. <laughs> so you guys, in polling, in polling, words are important. So the question is actually phrased: When did he start to wear diapers again? Right. So that's that's how you phrase that's how you phrase the question. That's now, that mean. is mean. That Same. is mean. We weren't no, being mean. We were. No, you, nice. you were being mean. We were you were being so mean. So much nicer. Why is the candidate even here in this polling debrief session? And why is he moderating? <laughs> and once again, to be clear, Zane Velji is not the same person as Zane Velji for leader. It's a character I play. Okay, uh, Dan. Where do you want to take us? Yeah, Where do you want to take talk, us let's, next? Let's talk about how people feel about the uh, the candidates here. Since, as Stevens mentioned, like they may know them, and if they don't like them, that's not really good for you, right? So, let's take a look at how Albertans feel about them. And we're still talking at this point about the general public. So, this is almost more discussion about how much of a chance these people have if they win the leadership. Yep. How much have they maybe? What's their starting point for after yeah. the leadership in terms of the next general election? We'll get to kind of how likely NDP voters feel about them, I think, a bit later. But, you know, in terms of the general public, how do they feel about the candidates here? Um, we asked this question a little bit differently. Most polls ask just, are you favorable, unfavorable, approve, disapprove? But I think politics is more about emotions, and we want to get at the emotional feel towards these candidates. So asked people, if you thought about this person winning NDP leadership, how would you feel? Would you be excited, comfortable, frustrated or angry so excited is kind of you think of somebody who's excited about this person winning they might be somebody who actually goes out and buys a mm -hmm. membership and supports them comfortable i think of that as more somebody who says yeah maybe i'll vote for them in the general election right They're, they'd be okay i wouldn't have a problem with that and then obviously the other ones are more negative emotions on that side what i found really interesting here is of the three declared candidates they are almost all even on those positive emotions. If you add the excited plus comfortable together, uh, Ganley's at 23, Hoffman 22, Pancholi 21. So no real difference between the three of them in terms of those positive emotions. And they've all got three or 4% who are excited mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. rest just you know in that comfortable bucket right there. Um, to our previous point though, Hoffman does have higher negatives than the other two. She's close to 20% either frustrated or angry, whereas Ganley and Pancholi are down around 10% each there. Mm -hmm. So she does start with a bit of a higher uh, negative ceiling, which would be something she would have to overcome. And obviously after you win the leadership, you can you can rebrand, you can reintroduce yourself, you can maybe overcome that. But that is something that's a bit of a, uh, a negative to start with. Gotcha. So this is the conversation on how you feel if each of these candidates have won still to the gen pop, just so we're absolutely clear, those are the three declared candidates. Guys, any reactions before Dan kind of moves it on? And 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 Dan, do you have that number for, for one Zane Velji? The number on everyone's lip for, so for Zane, for Zane Velji here, um, we have 2% of Albertans who would be excited if he became yes. the next Alberta NDP leader. Okay. We have 11% who would be comfortable we have 7% who'd be frustrated and 5% who are angry. So a pretty even split on the positive and negative emotions there. It skews a bit more positive than negative in Calgary and Edmonton. It skews a bit more negative 
in rural Alberta than positive. So again, you've got some work to do there. Um, and I will say Zane's number is a lot better among younger Albertans, 18 to 34-year-olds, 20% actually with positive uh, emotions towards him uh, there, and a bit higher among immigrants and racialized uh, Albertans as well, too. Zane Velge's the oh, future. Man. Okay. Just, heard just to be clear, the second half of this episode is where we build out the strategy for me. Okay, no, that's it's right. Gonna be yeah, good. Yeah, so we're clear. Second and third yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you guys capture that? Just so you're clear on, on the Zane Velge oh, number? Yeah, the rest yeah. of it is kind of so bullshit. Who cares we, about these other candidates? Yeah, I mean, but I just want you to know. So actually, here's the problem. Here's the problem that both Zane Velge and Sarah Hoffman have. Um, and, and we didn't mention the, the Nench yet, but his ratios, like his ratios are pretty similar to the three or, you know, Ganley and, and, uh, uh, Pancholi as well. Right. Because they're basically two to one, like to not. Right. And what I think is really interesting about that is the person who's not like the others there. And that's Sarah Hoffman, who has the higher negatives there. Yeah. Because one of the things that I think is fascinating, because if you do want to forecast this dude, this is Jen Pop, don't forget. Yep to a general election in the future. One of the things that I think is fascinating about that is sort of adjusted for people know you and people will know the party leader by the time we get to the next election. They're all kind of in the same place, right? Like familiarity is something you're going to get if you're party leader. But Sarah Hoffman's not in the same place. Sarah Hoffman has higher mm. negatives than the rest of them. Zane Velji also higher negatives. Something to work on. But you know what, buddy? I don't think it's disqualifying for you or Sarah. I just think it's an interesting thing to note. And maybe, uh, and maybe both campaigns will have to consider the the deep unlikability of Zane, at least, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think That's that a, trying to be likable, Zane, might be something you take a Yeah, you might have to go for in. asshole yeah. as a brand. Fuck. Okay, yeah, well, well we... I've already done that. Likeable's not accessible to TV. Maybe you just can't be likable. Yeah, I've been trying for 36 years. Maybe it's time to put on a different fucking hat. These people of Alberta. Okay, yeah, I should run the Pallister campaign in Costa Rica. Don't, hey, hey, other campaigns, don't clip that fuck these people of Alberta thing. Angels, yeah, please. for sure. No, don't don't do that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe strategies. hundreds of hours of content is not helpful to my candidacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dan, the, that's very interesting. Uh, the guys bring, did bring up Nancy. Did you want to comment on on his numbers? Like they are in line with that ratio, but was there anything there you wanted to talk about before you jump on? Maybe to I'm assuming next is like the membership tranche and what members think. But anything you wanted to close out here before we move on to the to the next part. Yeah, we should have mentioned Nenshi there. So Nenshi's got 41% with positive emotions, 22% negative. So still that two-to-one ratio, kind of where Ganley and Pancholi are. But because he is better known, you know, that's a, a bigger base of people who have positive emotions. And I will say the excited number for Nenshi... And, and negative. And negative, Dan. Yeah, that's true. Negative. Higher negative. negatives as can, well, too. Can yeah. it get even worse when we go negative uh, in the Zane Velji for Leader campaign? <laughs> okay. Zane Velji for Leader may have some dirt on uh, <laughs> Nenshi for Leader as well, too, so risks there. I will say the one thing that stood out for Nenshi, though, uh, 17% excited. So he does have a, a very strong ability to excite, much more so than the other candidates who are kind of in the 3 or 4% range. So that's obviously something you can build yeah. off to, uh, you know, put into a leadership G- Give my point. excited, my excited was 2 and my comfortable was two, 11? 2%. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have it. It's what I'm hearing. You know, I don't you have know it. what? No, I haven't been flexing it, but I don't have it. Just so we're clear. Okay. Um, Dan, where are we going next? Do we go? Do we want to go to the membership and talk about that? 
Okay. Yeah, let's 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 talk a bit about the base of people who actually vote in a leadership race because you know ultimately you can still win a race if nobody in the general public knows who you are if you sell a lot of membership forms, right? So uh, we did ask people if they would buy a NDP membership to participate. You've got 13% of Albertans who say they either have a membership definitely will buy one or probably will buy one. Now, I will say, people always overstate their level of wanting to do anything when you ask them on a poll. Um, 80% of people say, I'm definitely going to vote on election day. And there's lots of data to show that doesn't happen. But even if you ask them, you know, are you going to buy uh, healthy peanut butter or are you going to switch to Flair Airlines or whatever the question is, people are always going to say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And then they don't always follow through. So I'm not saying that, you know, 400,000 Albertans are going to sign up and buy an NDP membership. Hey, Dan, do you know who but else I doesn't do follow through? This... Flair Airlines. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this does give us a, a good group of people who at least are in that headspace where I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it, I'm interested, kind of the NDP base, if you want to think of it that way. And we can kind of look at the ratios then between different parts of the province. So interestingly, and maybe not, maybe not surprisingly, but 17% of people in Edmonton say... I'll, I'll likely sign up and vote 13% in Calgary, 8% in the rest of Alberta. So I think that's a good ratio to think about if you're a campaign trying to figure out what's our ROI on going to different parts of the province. Average person in Edmonton is probably more likely to sign up than an average person mm. in Calgary than an average person in rural Alberta. So that's something to consider there. And then demographically, um, this is something that did stand out to me. Young people a lot more interested in buying a membership. You got 20% of young people yeah. who say, I'm likely to buy a membership. It's 10% or less with all the other age groups that we slice the data by. Uh, racialized Albertans also twice as likely to buy a membership uh, than white Albertans. So if you've got a candidate who appeals to young people and to racialized voters. Um, I heard about a guy like that. Yeah, there was a guy. Maybe that's the pathway yeah. there to think about. There was a guy like that, yeah. That is, young voters. That, that is interesting. Okay, so we talk about the membership. So 70% of this public out, right, Dan? Won't buy. They're not They're not engaged. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care we're, about we're, them. I mean, we're throwing... There's, there's 18% who say, I might buy a membership. We're just throwing them out. Because if you say, I might buy a membership, there's no way you're going to buy a membership. This is, so we're only going to look at the people who say, definitely, likely, or have one. Even they're probably not going to fall through. But at least that gives us a, a group to look at as kind of our target yeah. voters and see how they feel about the candidates. Hogan Carter, when you guys look at that as, as folks, you know, trying to make this elemental, trying to... Like in a voter universe perspective, does this give you hope? Is this interesting? Does it? Are, are you neutral on it? How are you even like analytically looking at this from a strategist perspective? Carter, you want to go first on this? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend Dan's not here. But it, anytime you take a polling number and multiply it by two other variables, you are getting into the land of the imagined, right? And How so dare you, sir. I'm gonna I defend know. your honor, Dan. I know, Dan. But Dan's right um, <laughs> in that he's wrong, and. <laughs> Because he knows that 400,000 memberships aren't going to be sold. What is interesting... Dan and I spent some Spitzer time suite. in the Elliot Spitzer room. <laughs> I was also there. Let me tell you, you what know. And I can't so let you know. I was also there. <laughs> let me tell you this. I was on the floor. That room was like $1,000, and Corey had no idea it was going to cost that much. We were. He was about to buy us all hotel rooms, and then he bought us one. And I changed suite. my mind, yeah. <laughs> it was a very the, weird The moment. projection... Okay. Jesus, this is... We're the rails because we're off the. No, that's fine. That's um, fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. See, it's we're just good. we're just establishing that we have history here, and you can't disparage. Go Eldor. Like okay, that. I'm not disparaging. <laughs> you. Go Eldor. What a great campaign. Hey, um, what I'm trying to say your is your guy's that, logo was a green stop sign. It, up. it was insane. <laughs> 
Okay, you I'm remember sorry. It. You were saying you important literally things. Remember if we did, if how we, many years? If we did an eight, yeah, that's if that's we, actually if we a fair did point. An eight I remember part it. series. Decades if we did later. an eight part series on the Elder Kassam for Mayor campaign, four episodes would have to be about the green stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> who came up with it did it work did we pull it you probably did you had the money i'm sure you did with the cognitive dissonance of a green stop sign at the marlboro lrt station whose mind did that change did they stop to look at it was that how many, the point how many was accidents that the point did you that guys people would stop to read it was that the whole mental model <laughs> carter anyways i'll tell you something we were doing better than we were comfortable with that's just leave it there <laughs> Okay, you, leave it there. You, okay, you, you were saying, saying you were saying, you, things. you were actually saying something that kind of you were railing on Dan a bit, yeah. and I saved Dan from that. That you, what, you said Dan is right in the sense that he's wrong. Can you explain? Well, and so because this is a picture of today, right? This is a picture of today, and the the numbers, like for example, Nenshi has the most. Um, the largest vote field of almost 140,000 votes. The same could have been said for Rick McIver in 2010. The same would have been said for um, Jeremy Farkas in 20, uh, 2021, whatever the hell year that was. Um, all of these things blend together after a while. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. And at the beginning, Nenshi's vote total is the highest, but we know that 400,000 people aren't going to buy memberships. Right. What I found when I dug through the data and was looking at the actual raw numbers, people who are most likely to um, to say that they're going to buy a membership, you know, like Zane Velji from had like nine people say that they're definitely going to buy a membership like for me. That number was only yeah that that number was only 15 for Nenshi. Right. Um, likely to buy a membership, highly likely to buy a membership. Zane Velji is still somewhere in the. Uh, you know, where, where is Velji here? Eight, right? Again, then she's only in 15. These are, these are differential numbers. These raw numbers tell us a story that actually it's not as good as Nenshi thinks it might be. It could be if he gets in the race, but the longer he delays, the more likely Zane Velji is going to be able to increase Zane Velji's name recognition. And that's where the campaign shifts. If Zane Velji gets his name recognition out there, then all hell breaks loose. Corey, do you have something to add to that? I have something to say. Corey, and then and, and I'll get Stephen, who's become and a... After that, go ahead, Corey. Stephen's become a polling nihilist. I think just because we have small samples as we get into the crosstabs isn't like... A bad thing, and it's still interesting here. I'll tell you my own view, though, is like when I saw these results, it was like, oh, that's super interesting. I've never actually done a question like that in previous leadership campaigns I've worked on. I've never kind of thought about it. To, to be clear, this is the question of people purchasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like who, um, you know, the uh, not even that, but kind of the analysis of this is what yeah. the likely voter universe Each. would be. I think it's super interesting, right? But it does sort of lead to an obvious follow-up question, which is where do memberships come from? And they don't kind of grow out of the ground, you know, just as water falls because the ground had seeds in them. You know, somebody's got to go and harness these memberships. And often in a leadership campaign, that's, you know, we'll have to get into this, I think, in the next half. But Effort, like generally effort, speaking, so well, it's not just that. But, you know, when you go and sell a membership, in practical terms, there are sources of memberships. There are going to be people who just sort of come on a website and say, oh, I like that guy. I'm going to buy a membership for him. Yeah. Not actually how most leadership yeah, memberships yeah, are yeah, sold. Yeah. And 
And how it generally happens is you have people who are leaders in communities or or even people who just want to hustle who will go out and sell 10, 20, 30 memberships at a time. And, you know, those are not massive numbers, but in aggregate, if you've got a good field campaign, that that builds something. Takes time, takes a lot of effort. But ultimately, those conversations on kind of the end of the fractals, which is actually kind of the bigger multipliers, right? Where you, yeah, you've got, you've managed to find 300 people who will go out and sell 10 memberships, right? Or whatever. Those tend to be more along the lines of, hey, Bob, you're a good friend of mine. Will you buy a membership involved in this? Hey, Bob's wife, you're standing next to Bob right now. Do you think you could do me solid and buy that membership as well? Hey, now that I think about it, Bob, don't you have a brother? Can't Bob, your brother, buy a membership as well? And so, you know, I, I think it's it's super interesting, but I think that memberships actually come from campaigns. And I don't mean to be kind of simple about that, but it, it takes effort and it takes going out there. And one of the things I find super fascinating about these numbers, and we'll get into it, is like there's a lot of campaigns who have – including the Zane Velji campaign, who have kind of credible numbers there. And so if you had a organization that could go out and sell a bunch of memberships, you know, and and have a universe of that size that you can then harvest, that's fucking fascinating, especially when you start thinking about the roll-ups there. Dan, do you want to respond to to either Carter's comment or or Corey's comment? And it seems like they're naturally leading you towards the, the vote field question. I don't know if that's where you want to go next or if you've got a pit stop elsewhere, but I'll let you react to them. And then if we go to vote field or somewhere else, I'll let you drive. Yeah, let's, let's throw that up there. So I think I, I agree completely, actually, with what Stephen, even though he said I'm wrong because I'm right or right because I'm wrong or whatever it was. Um, you know, You're I, always I'm, right. I'm Don't give him that. Don't give always him that. Right. He'll be saying that again later. It'll be annoying. But, uh, you know, ultimately, we're talking about kind of potential here uh, with the base. And potential only matters if you actually get someone to sign up. And there's also people who will sign up who aren't excited by any of these candidates here. If Zane Velji for leader runs... Those Steven, are your guys. Steven, yeah. Steven, Steven, Steven will sign up uh, his family even if they hate Zane Velji to vote for Zane, right? So uh, we're kind of just looking at sort of the potential to excite the base and then what you do with that potential and how that kind of spreads virally beyond that is you know what makes a winning or losing campaign. But I think it is interesting because you know we, we do have... 13% of the sample here that we can look at, which is still going to be close to 200 people, um, and get a sense of just how that base feels about these candidates. Um, the number that we came up with here was this vote field, which is basically just the people who are excited within that group there. So the people who say, I'm likely to buy a membership, or I'm definitely going to buy a membership, and I'm excited by this candidate. Because I think that gives you a bit of a mm-hmm, proxy mm-hmm. for how they feel about them. Um, for these numbers here, we came up with about 140,000 for Nenshi uh, in that area, uh, about 50,000 or more for Pancholi and Ganley. Hoffman was a bit behind them. Uh, Zane Velji uh, for leaders, still at 30,000 people. Uh, you got 7% of the NDP base who said, I'm excited about the idea of Zane Velji becoming the next NDP leader. That's I cool. will point out, though, Zane Velji did have the highest negatives of all the candidates. You had to have about a um, about a quarter of people in this NDP base who said, I would be frustrated or angry if Zane won for leadership. So those it's are no people. No problem. Yeah. That's our yeah. brand. Those are that, people that who aren't going to buy a membership. Sorry. It's probably one out of four on this on this uh, call here right now. So yeah, exactly. uh, you know, that would be consistent with the. Uh, the okay, numbers. there's there's a lot to dig in here, but Carter's been gesticulating with probably all the energies he has left for the evening. So Carter, g- get in here. This better be fucking good because Corey and I have got follow up well, questions. I just for wanted Dan. to say, 
I wasn't saying that those small numbers were it were statistically not representative. I'm saying that those small numbers were close to equal, right? That those small numbers, when you do break out those 200 people that are interested in buying memberships or the the NDP universe, those 200 people were breaking more evenly across this group at the higher I will I do intend to buy membership levels. And that when you're looking at the percentages, it's a little bit wonky, but when you're looking at those raw numbers, there is a case to be made that someone like a Zane Velji with low name recognition, but even with that no low name I, recognition, high bespoke bespoke this name. Is good. I'm glad one of us bad. one of you is working for me already. The other one yeah. 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 Carter yeah. requires a retainer before he even starts a fucking I'm not even. Th- I have no cash. No one sent me any cash. I'm not fucking helping anybody. <laughs> hey, Dan. Dan, there's one thing here before Corey gets his chance to to, to jump in. So, you, okay, just to summarize, Nenshi with 140k, Pancholi, Ganley, 50-ish, right? 50-52k. Me with around 30-ish? Is that right? What you said, like, my vote field, my vote. Yeah, and look, I mean... That, that, yeah, we had you at 31,000 of that people who are excited, who are within the likely NDP universe. And I'll point out, like, Daniel Smith only got a little over 30,000 votes on the first ballot of the yeah, UCP leadership. 35,000, so yeah. if you find those people and you sign them up and you turn them out to vote and maybe they bring a few friends with them, I mean, the numbers are there, right? Talk to me about, okay, there's there's two areas I want to go into. And, and one I think is, I think they're both fascinating. One is about this particular poll. One's like more broadly. Let's hit with the broad issue first. You tested candidates with their photo and without their photo. Oh, I love can that. You, can you way. talk yeah. to me about that? And 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 the part that actually breaks my heart in this entire poll is I feel like I'm the one that didn't get a bump with the photo. Everyone else did. <laughs> is that actually true? You had the, the smallest, smallest bump, bump of all. So candidates I did get a bump, so it was negligible. Yeah. Okay. You the still most got a bump. bespoke bump. <laughs> the most bespoke bump. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> okay. Why do you do this? This is interesting. I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen this particular question tested before like this. I want to talk about this. And then I want to talk about Hoffman and her vote field in a second. Yeah. So you know, I, th- I think politics is just so visually driven. Um, and there are people who maybe have heard a name in passing, but then when they see the face, they recognize the face, or they just get a vibe from the face, and they say, okay, that looks like somebody who I'd feel good about if they were in charge. Um, and I, I, when I'm working on political campaigns, I'm always testing images in different situations and say, like, is it the photo of the leader with the family? Is it the photo of them talking to business leaders? Is it the photo of them shaking hands? Like, what is the thing that connects with people and leaves them with the most strong, positive feelings afterwards? So what we did was, for, yeah, for half the survey respondents, we just said, we gave them the names and said, how'd you feel if this person won? And then for the other half, we had the name and the face with it and said, how would you feel in that case? And yeah, all the candidates get a pretty big yep. bump there. I mean, you look at uh, Rocky Pancholi, for example, 16% positive just with the name, 26% positive when you put the, the face with the name there. So, uh, you know, I think it is, it's a good reminder that visuals are very important. Yeah, so Rocky goes up 10 points, Nide goes up 11, Ganley goes up 7, Hoffman goes up 6. Um, I, I go up the, the least amount, but I still go up. Carter, you wanted to jump in on this particular strain of thinking. And then let's talk about Hoffman's interesting, at least to me, interestingly small vote field, only 10,000 above above mine if you look at this particular sort of yeah. uh, methodology. I just wanted to say the science on the visuals is so strong. Uh, people want to vote for someone who, who they think is representative of their group. Um, and 
you know, attractiveness matters, uh, approachability matters. You know, if you're tall, it matters. If you've got full head of hair, it matters. All of these things matter. Um, how women's style matters. Everything matters. And we pretend sometimes like it doesn't. And by adding in these photographs, Dan's now been able to quantify how much it matters. And I think that's, that's amazing. Like it really is uh, fascinating polling information to have. Yeah, you know, because what's interesting isn't that, like, the negatives become positives. It's that they move from having no opinion to having an opinion. Like, from yeah. a name, they're like, I don't know. I mean, it's also an interesting testament in how shallow people are in that even just because we know that the recognition of a lot of these individuals, like, from name is pretty low, there's a lot of people who are willing to pass judgment just based on a name. And then there's a lot who are like, oh, now that I see the picture, I guess I have an opinion about them as well. Yeah. So super fucking fascinating. And, I, you know, I think when you think about other countries where even pictures show up on the ballots, it makes me wonder how that probably changes politics for them. There, Dan, talk to me about the vote field for, for Hoffman here. That sticks out to me because when you when you mentioned the, the, the vote field for Nenshi being like close to what was it like 130,000, 140,000 for Racky and, and for Sarah, uh, less than half of that at, at around 50 ish. And then for Hoffman, it's even lower despite the fact that she's more well known. And I think you talked about her negatives being higher. Is this a direct result of that? Number one. And then number two, talk to me about if this if this surprised you. And then guys, I'm sure you'll have some comments around what this kind of means regarding her path. And when I say guys, I mean, Corey, Corey and Stephen thereafter. Yeah, so I mean, it did surprise me to some extent, because she is, you know, clearly better well known than, uh, you know, Raki or, or Ganley, for sure, uh, in terms of familiarity. Um, I mean, the vote field, the only number we're using, though, is the excited number. Sorry, right? just we're to not be clear. Really gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so we're, we're tossing out whether or not you're comfortable, angry, frustrated, it doesn't really matter. We're just looking at the people who are excited within those within that universe of likely NDP leadership voters. And she's just not exciting as many of them as uh, the other candidates are right now. And I mean, we didn't have a lot of, this wasn't like a, if this was a campaign poll, we would have asked tons of follow-up questions yeah. in terms of open ends, like why do you feel this way? What is missing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think it does, um, you know, speak to potentially well, can, some- uh, can, I ask, can I ask you a question, Dan, that's going to sound stupid, but I actually think is quite insightful. And I say that about the question I'm about to ask right now. Uh, <laughs> Dan, do we high bar you're setting for yourself? Oh, wow. I think it's you it's, 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 trust me. Yeah. How do yeah. like we assume they want excited the membership? Do we know that excitement is like what they crave at this moment? Like maybe they just want a warm blanket of comfort. And so the the, the, the root of the question is like is excited even a helpful proxy um, in in order to judge what either the membership wants or what is particularly kind of like needed in this regard by that, by that small sort of group. Does that question make sense ultimately? That, that was a very insightful. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You, yeah. Right? I mean, don't, said, I mean, I think wow. somebody like never that. Get better if you keep lying. Wow. Somebody like that leading off question period, oh, asking insightful so questions every so day. We do wonders, Mr. I think, Mr. for Mr. the uh, I can't ima- Can you imagine Zane in question period? Hey, now I can't hey, get past hey, that. I might hey, have to Nathan, reassess what's my going on, Cooper? Listen, my questions for, uh, the people on the other side here. Listen, you know, there's there's time uh, limits in QP. Listen, I, yeah, <laughs> Zane would told you that. Hedging my bets, always trying to be liked. I think that's a flaw. <laughs> <laughs> Not going hard enough. Being like, I I, I think what the uh, what the what the government's trying to tell us here is that yeah I would I would I would not be a good leader uh, except that I could potentially be a great leader. You, you, I could be a great yeah, fucking thank leader. Thank you, Dan. Uh, 
Yeah, again, campaigns don't they did. that. Okay, the question was inf- insightful, but but do you have a response to the sense, like, is excited even the right question to be asking when that's maybe not what people want? I think we assume it's what they want, but is it, do, we, do we have a sense of if that's what they want? Yeah, no, no. And I think, like, I, I just look at that as you need to have a strong emotion or someone's going to take the step to actually go and buy membership and eventually vote, right? And that that is a stronger emotion. Um, you know, in a leadership race, um, I think you need that higher bar. There's probably different words you could look at. And again, there's people who are going to sign up just because their uncle or a relative or someone asked them to sign up and they're not going to be excited. So, you know, this is kind of a proxy, but I think it's a good proxy for just, like, who's exciting the base and then how do you turn that excitement into something real after the fact? Okay, guys, you can talk about the vote field question. You can talk about anything we've heard thus far. Dan, I have a question for you, though. Do you have anything else to share with us? I have, I have a vote yeah, field go ahead, question. Have you, have you done this on other races? Like, do we... No, this, this is kind of like uh, something I just wanted to try out here. So it felt ah, like a good like time it. to do this. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how it uh, plays out what at I- the end of the day. What I'm hearing is that no one would actually pay for this question, and he had to do it. <laughs> on a, he's still on here. Paid strategist poll. He's, he's still he's still here. Oh, I, sorry, Dan. By the way, by the way, I should. This good, is a good time way. to mention that that once this poll will be out, well, we're thinking like Tuesday ish. Uh, you can find it on the Polar website, but you can also find it at uh, zanevelgeforleader.ca, uh, where where you will be finding uh, the the entire report that Dan has put together. Okay. Dan, do you have anything else to give us? Any other tidbits? Any other breakdowns? Anything you found interesting? And I ask specifically for uh, yours truly, because the second half of this conversation is us taking your insights and trying to create a path for Zane Velji in this NDP leadership race. So do you have anything else to share with us? Any any other tidbits? And then, Carter, you've got a question after that. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think this is uh, a pretty good overview here. Um, again, if we were doing this uh, with a uh, if the, the strategist uh, media corporation wanted to dip into their uh, their pockets and do a more in depth poll, you'd be asking a lot of follow up questions. You'd be getting more at how they feel beyond just four words about these candidates. You'd be looking at strengths. Be asking a real pollster, yeah, for sure. You would, you would probably uh, go and actually like pull the actual membership as opposed to just you know Alburns in general and trying to weed it yeah. down there. But I think this gives a good overview of you know what is the challenges each leader would face after they if they won the leadership race and just kind of where their starting point is. And yeah, that's all I need to run through right now. I'll throw a few other cross tabs about Zane into the Discord, and people can chat about that if they want to. <laughs> uh, well, well, Corey, it seems like uh, it seems like Dan is trying to get some of our Patreon money, and uh, I think we should probably just break it to him. Uh, it's not going to happen, Dan. Uh, we've gotten used Help. to the taste of free polling from you. Just rip that yeah, band-aid off. Used to the yeah. taste yeah. of free polling from you, and you're never gonna have. You're never gonna get money. Every every pollster always ends their presentation with, "And this is why you need to do follow up research." It's, yeah, it's uh, a good it's classic. They started with, "This is a real poll," and then they end it with, <laughs> "You need to do follow up research." Carter, jump in with your question before before Dan uh, is unceremoniously uh, told to, to 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 see himself out. One of the things I always like to look at is where, how uh, women are behaving in the poll compared to men behaving in the poll. Oh. One of the things I noticed is that women were far less likely to have an opinion, far more likely to, to, let, to not be emotionally engaged with these candidates. And yet we know that the, the, the most likely universe for the NDP is going to include these women. So there really uh, it seems to be an opportunity for a candidate that is lesser known to target women and to really try and uh, build up their name recognition, build up their engagement with women as a means to kind of bringing their the the low engagement structure now for women 
up to where the potential lies in the in that 60 percent plus that are considering voting for the NDP in the next election. Um, my question to you, Dan, is how right am I? <laughs> well, that, it's an interesting point because, you know, we talked about young people and racialized voters being a lot more likely to want to buy a membership. Yep. Women and men were about equally likely to want to buy a membership, yet women a lot more likely to vote NDP. So, you know, there is something there um, because there are more NDP-leaning women in Alberta. If you can find a way to get them to sign up, um, there's a way to grow the uh, the vote field there. If I were selling memberships in a campaign, one of the things I'd be tracking is how many males and females I have and actually be trying to do little little cheats on on racialized youth and or younger younger of course being anybody under 50 in this particular poll um which by the way pisses me off like you wouldn't even fucking believe dan uh i'm now in the older segment so f- fuck you man like seriously <laughs> yeah and blame blame the pollster okay now. that's that's yeah. really not could have made it 55 fault, and below but... could have <laughs> look i think what i think is super interesting about this poll as i read it Carter has alluded to this a couple of times when he was talking about, you know, recognition of the name, whether that matters or not, and, and how he's moved candidates forward. And it's it just sort of dictates the actions you need to take. I think when I look at that vote universe and how it's driven by opinions that are strong or not, you know, the very excited versus the not excited um, or even actively hostile numbers that some of the candidates have, such as yourself and, and Sarah Hoffman, right? I just... I think what's interesting for me is they're just, they're pieces, Mm. right? They're grist for the mill. And I will say, looking at this, I thought there's a pretty credible path for basically everybody on this list, in my opinion. And and why I say that is, A, I believe that memberships come from campaigns. And so if you've got a strong campaign, you can move forward. B, nobody is kind of like in deep soup here. Like I even think about like the Sarah Hoffman, like people feel things about Sarah Hoffman and that is actually a big part of her brand in the first week of the campaign. And she's leaned into that hard and she's galvanized the people who may have been on kind of the same side and also received shitty comments. Like she directly spoke to this in her launch video, right? About, you know, I'm, I'm not the person that you think should run for office. I'm, I'm fat, I'm sassy, I'm bad at, at sort of hiding who I am. If she she didn't necessarily have numbers like this, but say she did, that strategy is pretty consistent with numbers like mm, that, mm. right? And you know, and she has had, I think, in my opinion, some pretty good success in the first week of galvanizing a certain type of new Democrat who has then gone out and said, "Yeah, fucking right, Sarah, I'm with you." And so, even when you look at, I think, who would be perceived on first blush as the underperformer in this poll, what I see more is pieces. That a campaign then needs to pick up and build something out of. And that to me is like, a, that's the cool thing about polling. And, and we say this a lot on the pod, and maybe this is where I'll sort of throw it back to Dan. But like the horse race numbers are the kinds of things people obsess with. The top lines are the things people obsess with. But on campaigns, you sort of look for those kernels within and say, okay, what do we, what do, we do with that? Right? Mm, oh, that's yeah. interesting. That's not quite what's expected. <laughs> This poll is not is not discouraging, I think, for any of the candidates. I think yeah. it, it, it articulates a path that may be more challenging for Zane Velji than for Nahed Nenshi. Um, but keep in mind, Nahed Nenshi's not in this race yet, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. If Zane Velji was to launch tomorrow, um, we would have to work very hard, very early to increase his name recognition. But you could do it, when you we think? put out those... Well, we would put out some fucking amazing policies that would go that would be like 40, 60, 
right? 40, you know, 60% of Albertans think this is the worst policy in the world. 40% think this is the best policy in the world, right? Like you could, you could do something with, uh, I'm going to go out on, on a, on a consumption tax, right? Or I'm going to enable cities to do a penny tax. You could do something like that. That's got 30, 35% support and really make inroads with your name recognition. Cause believe me, everybody's going to know who you are. If you're the pro PST guy, um, in about two or three weeks. Yeah. It's just a matter, a matter yeah. of time. Um, okay. One question for you, Dan, before we leave you here. Um, do you have any idea how, I don't even know how long the Notley coattails are here. In in the sense of any of these candidates just giving a bear hug to Rachel Notley and then just riding it out till June as a strategy. We we suspected that there might be some that, that would take that path. I'm kind of curious, based on the fact that no one's kind of made that like their strategy wholly thus far. This is just my analysis. I'm curious if you have anything on on Notley's coattails here within within the membership or the party. And you may not, and that's fine, but I thought I'd ask while we have you. Yeah, we didn't we didn't really get into how the membership or the likely universe feels about her in this poll. I think from other research that's been done, um, you know, she's always been quite popular with even the broader public uh, relative to the party, and you'd imagine with the base, she'd be very well liked. I think at this stage, it's more kind of candidates trying to figure out what their own brand is and how mm. to. Um, you know, put that forward. And I think, you know, it, it would cut both ways in a, in a general election because, you know, ultimately there is still some, some baggage that comes from that as well too. So um, yeah, I'll be curious to see if any candidates do um, lean into that a bit more than others, but I would imagine uh, her numbers are very, very strong with the, uh, with the NDP base. Okay. Guys, anything else before we, we move on? I, um, just think we should talk a little bit more about the Mayflower Hotel in downtown Washington, D.C. Listen, you guys can take it that direction, but I just need to say something. Dan, thank you very much from the bottom of the strategist's hearts, if we had them. Don't this was them. This was uh, a spectacular opportunity for us to really dig into numbers and to share with our audience how these numbers are crafted from le- legitimately one of the best pollsters in Canada. In fact, nay, the world um polara (laughs) you know if you're going to if you're gonna if you're going to hire a pollster in the next little while if you are running one of these campaigns call dan at polara he is honestly he'll answer his own phone he's he's not above that you call him and you ask him can i speak to eric grenier and he'll give you eric's number and 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 by the way um promo code dave 45 will get you five percent off your quote from that's true that's yeah. actually a real thing. And we, we get have a implemented. referral fee, right? We do. Yeah. It is. It is we also forty five percent of the of the full total invoice. Is the referral yeah, fee? It's going to be great. It's great. Uh, Dan, okay. anything else? We're good. Good luck with the campaign. You've got your work cut out for you based on these numbers. Fuck! I got to tell you guys. Um, first of all, Stephen, I didn't appreciate the sincerity and telling nice things oh, about Dan. I agree. Dan did, is a did, good guy. Could you? Could you feel the fucking uh, the acting? Could you feel it? Like the insincerity, I felt it dripped. I felt like the insincerity dripped. Like the guy's got 3% of fucking Albertans with paid memberships. You know how many that is? That's 120,000. That's like tenfold. The guy's off by fucking tenfold. Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, he's still here. <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm still here. I'm trying to figure out how to log out of the, uh, the window oh. here. Hey, Dan. Thanks again, man. That, hey, Dan, this we... is uh, a great yeah, really appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed this bit we were just doing. As long as you want. With our guests. Thank you for the free poll <laughs> to be watched exclusively <laughs> <laughs> with our podcast. 
Okay. Okay. Man. Can we actually talk? Let me ask you a question. Like, okay, let's just say I got Dan's this conversation. You did. Let's just say, let's just say I got did. It. Just get Dan's numbers. Yep. My first question would be, guys, seriously, should I drop out? No. Nah. I, I mean, haven't launched yet. I, I, I haven't honestly, launched yet. I haven't launched yet. Let's just give me. Well, then you should. Okay, I should drop out. Let's just say I have. I have uh, let's no. just say. Let's say I'm going to launch this week, right? Let's just like make it real. We're, we're having this conversation February nineteenth. Carter, should I drop out? No. Corey, should I drop out? Look, I, I think that's a complicated question that we should unpack because what I said, I believe, which is there is, there's nothing here that makes me think that anybody has this locked up. In fact, when you think about those universes and you think about how memberships actually um, yep, exist, yep, yep. you know, yeah. you know, like what's going to happen is there's going to be a bunch of people who go out and they're going to get a bunch of organizers and they're going to get those organizers to sell memberships and. I don't actually see see much to believe that anybody wins this on the first ballot. Quite the contrary. I look at these numbers and I think there's no way anybody wins this on the first ballot. Uh, I, I think that the person who you could kind of trick yourself into thinking wins on the first ballot is not Hidnenshi. But like the other campaigns are going to sell memberships. They're going to be out there. They're going to yeah. be doing their things. And they've been doing this for longer. And we so can't. this is going to go multiple ballots and anything can happen in multiple ballots as long as you can be not the person in last. Well, and I think that the most important thing to look at right now, I mean, Dan was kind enough to share with us some of the numbers behind the behind the, the survey. And, you know, he shared numbers for David Shepard, right? Well, you can go get some of those numbers. David Shepard's not in this race. He's not going to be in this race. Um, you have the opportunity to go and get, like there were Iveson numbers. Like there's places to go and get stuff that's that's low-hanging fruit. And all you need to do is come in, like if, if five candidates are running in this, uh, the three that are in and then Zane Velji and Nahid Nenshi, um, you know, you need to beat, you know, Rocky Pancholi, you need to beat uh, Kathleen Ganley, you need to beat Sarah Hoffman. And frankly, beating Sarah Hoffman, for example, right off the bat, isn't that isn't that hard. If you get ahead of her, then it's just picking the next one off and keeping in mind you can't piss any of them why, off. Why would you? Because you need to roll why up. Why are you putting Sarah at the... Um like just just above me, just so, just so I can understand what what's what's kind of causing you to kind of be like just the numbers, yeah. just the numbers that Dan just was doing. just the vote yeah. field yeah. numbers, I mean, just to be clear, right? Like where her vote field is 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 closest to mine in that sense. Yeah, it's nothing personal. I actually don't think that she would necessarily be the one who would be right there. But yeah, keep in mind she's got very high name recognition and 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 yet does not excite the people who already know her, right? So is she going to excite the people who do not yet know her? Maybe, well, here's maybe my pa- here's my problem. I don't speak. either, really, right? The right. Invelgi candidacy you, doesn't either. So let's just talk about. Let's just if, but if you have no name recognition, you are so low that if we came out right away again, you don't need to even hit fifty fifty issues, right? Racky Pancholi came out with the the membership issue last carbon tax membership. That's a fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah. I guess she's done two fifty fifty type of things within the membership. Fifty fifty is all you need, right? You can do thirty seventy. You can do, you know, 35, 65, because you don't need to go to 50%. You just need to get people talking about you. You need to get people aware of your name, and then you need to be an incredibly likable person, which may be where this thing falls down on its face, but we can at least try that, <laughs> right? Corey, is that the path Is yeah, that the path it, for me? In the sense that it's, it's a, a series of 
rapid-fire, 50-50, quasi-controversial policies that try to splash me in, wedge other candidates, splash me into contention, not even contention, into the orbit, and then try to grow from there? Is that, like, the root of the strategy here? For And by the way, like, as a side note, the reason we're doing this is not because I'm super self-involved, though I am. It's the fact that, you know, how do you kind of take something real from a pollster and a poll and try to, like, you know, real numbers and try to make a real campaign strategy out of it. That's what we're trying to add the broad strokes to. Corey, what, what are you thinking? Look, I think that, that what Stephen talked about is a big part of it. But you also need to figure out how all of these things are going to wedge, right? And you are ultimately trying to make the conversation about you. You're trying to split off people and you're trying to be on, like, a passionate side of an issue where you can start sucking up the oxygen of that particular race. And... um. Yeah, like when when I think about somebody who has no name recognition, be aware people with no name recognition win all of the mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. right? And they win for superficial reasons. There's obviously the famous Joe Clark becomes leader of the PCs. Nobody knew who he was to the point where the headline the next day said Joe uh-huh. who. This is somebody who then went on to be prime minister of the country. You have even if you were not super attuned to the liberal leadership race in 2006, you would think, where in the world did Stefan Dion come from, right? He was going in in fourth place in in ballots. Michael Ignatieff didn't come back for you, Uh right? He was sitting there at the top, but he just couldn't get it done because races tend to generate these dynamics where people start to... Like, if if you're not with the front runner, you're probably never going to be with the front runner. We talk about this all the uh-huh, time, yeah. right? And so those votes tended to coalesce, and very few ended up leading to Ignatieff relatively as, as things went on there. Happens all the time. And so what I would say is there's an interesting opportunity if you have an organization to define yourself in a way that is splashy, that wedges, that can pull yourself into the conversation in a big way. Um, that is sometimes not even available to people who are higher up because we just know them. Like, let's use Nahed Nenshi as an example. If Nahed Nenshi came out tomorrow and said, Let, let's just say for fun, and this is not the case, but like it was assessed that what the New Democrats wanted for leadership was a real partisan, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Just a real fucking partisan. And Nahed Nenshi's like, I am your guy. I am the partisan. Everyone would say, fuck you. No, you're not. Your whole brand has been not partisan. That's not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? So there's opportunity in not being known to. And I, I will just keep going back to that point because I think it's an important one. But it just depends on, you know, you, the benefit of being where you are or a person like you in the polls, Zane, is you can go anywhere if you've got the horses to do Okay, so, so Carter, yeah. you're, you're constructing my strategy based on a series of rapid-fire, wedged policies – what else? What else do I have going for me? What else should I? Now, head Nancy, he didn't come back for you. You're you, welcome. Every campaign running against. Yeah, you also have the opportunity to to do things that others couldn't do. You can run against uh, Rachel Notley in a different way. You can run against Danielle Smith in a different way. You don't have to stand up against her in the legis in the legislature at any point. Um, so you know what we did with Joe Tigondek was we we went after Jason Kenney. Uh, because we knew that that way we could get into the into the stories. We were never going to get into the stories if we weren't going after someone with a higher profit name recognition. The same thing we did with Nahid Denshi when we appro- when we went after Rick Hansen, who was the chief of the uh-huh. police service, and Hansen was stupid enough to bite on it. Um, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden we get five days of media, right? Like that. Those are the things that take your name recognition from zero 
to a million. If you were, if you went after uh, both mayors, Gondek and Sohi, and 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 uh, Daniel Smith on crime and safety, you would have a really solid opportunity to get your name recognition out. And once we do your name recognition, people are going to fall into camps on you. And if we do our job properly, as people are introduced to you, generally speaking, they will like you. Right. Whereas, you know, Sarah Hoffman doesn't have that chance. Yeah. He's already been introduced. To, 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 now, Ed Nenshi does not have that chance already introduced. My prediction would be these numbers tell me that Nahid Nenshi is not going to be able to get over 50% plus one on the first ballot. Right. That these numbers tell yeah, me that's, that yeah. he's going to need someone else. And the problem is, if you go back through most leaderships, you're going to find leadership after leadership after leadership. Whoever's in first place can only win through attrition. They can't win through roll up. And I'm not sure if, if, if every other campaign takes an attrition, or it takes a roll up style campaign. Where they, these where, numbers where, don't say where they have a dance there's partner. a winner here. Where they have a dance partner, so to speak. Um, there's dance partners all across the floor. Right? Talk to me. Is Sarah Hoffman going to partner with with Nahid Nenshi? I don't know. Seems weird. Talk right? to talk to me. Pancholi and Ganley. You know? Well, they're all in a caucus together. I mean, is right. what it ultimately comes. They've down all to. been New Democrats for years. Nahid Nenshi isn't even a fucking New Democrat. Talk to me about my chances to beat out the bottom of the floor. Like, the, like to, to beat out last place. Let's talk about it from that perspective, right? So, like, the Nenshi strategy is, is an entirely different episode. It's 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 has its own interesting sort of elements to it. But talk to me, Carter, about what I need to do to get out of last place. And should that be my goal? Like, you know, if you, you had the, let's go back to 2010, Nenshi. You had the idea of third place before Thanksgiving. Talk to me about the Zane Velji headline goal here. Right, I'm currently in last place. Let's say I can put up the money. Let's say I want to still do this. Um, what should my goal be? And 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 from from like that's as simple of like a bumper sticker. Uh, you said third place by what was it Thanksgiving? What what is it for Zane Velji in this case? I mean, your problem. I mean, you need to be into probably into contention. So mentioned in the same sentences in the same paragraph, and I'm just saying mentioned right. Uh, yeah. You need to be mentioned in the same paragraph by the 10th of March. If you're mentioned in the same paragraph as Ganley, Pancholi, and Hoffman, you're golden, right? Chances are Nenshi's going to be in the paragraph above you. But if you're in the same paragraph as the other three, and here's the beautiful thing. When you've got a big fucking star like Nenshi coming in, he's going to be in the paragraph above. And, and chances are they're just going to suck you up into the, into the, into the main paragraph. Because you're going to be as legit. No one's going to have numbers on this thing. This poll is the closest that anybody's going to get on numbers, right? That's an so interesting point. This is the that's an interesting point, right? And this poll doesn't say that Nahed Nenshi's going to win. No, it says it's got the largest vote says, field. It's got yeah the positive negative. That's right. This, that's right. He's number one, but number one is not the same as the guy who's going to win. Oh yeah, fair and enough. I think that that's a fascinating point. And so for me, all you need to do is get into the same paragraph by the end of March. You need to be releasing stats that show that you're beating people, right? And those stats could be uh, a poll of membership. The stats could be your membership sales. Fundraising. Pardon me? Sorry, Corey? Fundraising. Fundraising might be Fundraising. Um, all of these numbers that could show that you're in the game, all of a sudden, if you're starting to show that you're ahead of Sarah Hoffman or you're ahead of Racky Pancholi or ahead of Kathleen Ganley, ball game's on, man. And that's it. That's all you need to do. 
Corey, is that is that all I need to do? Do you agree with Carter's strategy here? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I don't know if it's all you need to do. It's all you need to do by that point, right, is get into the conversation and be seen as a serious contender. And I think also one of the things about being the person who comes from the position where you just pulled at is you get there and there is a buzz, right? About it's just, like all of a sudden you're the dark yeah. horse you're the dark horse candidate nobody saw coming. Who the fuck is this guy? This is crazy. He seems so unlikable. He's leaned into that as his brand. He just said at a press conference, I don't give a shit if you know me, you will, and you will respect me. That's crazy. Oh, Who yeah. is this guy? Right? And and all of a sudden, the conversation's about you. Because it is actually, there's two things in any race like this, in any polling, right, in any election, but I think particularly, and, and Carter, super interesting point, we're going to be in a data desert for a while, right? And the general population surveys will mean absolutely nothing. The surveys from the campaigns will mean absolutely You'll nothing. You'll still roll them We're going to be in a yeah, data yeah, desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they will. But like, you're going to have a situation where if you can, like it's position and it's uh, kind of, what would I say? It's like, you know, speed and direction, you know, it's, it's your velocity. And if, if your position was like, you're in the middle of the pack and now you're not, or you weren't in the pack and now you're all of a sudden in the conversation that matters too. Even if you are all of, you know, relatively speaking, not positionally where the rest of the campaigns are. So there's ways you can kind of craft a bit of a buzz. And all of a sudden, if you've laid the groundwork, you've gotten into the conversation by taking these 30, 70 stances to begin with, those are going to be amplified. People are going to hear more about those stances. And that's your chance to then go and seize them, right? If you've got the apparatus in place, if you've got the organizers in place, if you've got the team in place to kind of follow through, then you can make it happen. Now, if you don't have the team by that point, you're not going to make it happen. Because the big difference between what Nahed Nenshi did in 2010 and what Zane proposed or what Stephen proposes doing for you in 2024 here is it's not a gen pop yeah, election. Yeah, selling memberships. It's yeah. not. You've got to sell memberships, and that requires an apparatus. You can't win by air war in a in a leadership race. It just can't be done. It's never. I don't know anyone who's ever done it. You know, Carter, you'll correct me if I'm totally wrong. No, you're not. I can't it, think of one. Not not it exclusive. Is always, always, always ground. Which which no, not which, not yeah, at yeah. all. If it was air war, my comment I made earlier, Ken Dryden could have been the leader in 2006. Which, which brings me right? to my struggle as well, despite the fact that that that. Um, I have a path, Carter. How am I using these yep. pretty measly poll numbers to build a ground troop? What am I doing? Where am I going? I, I, I do see I have a, a bit of a slight advantage. I'm not saying above the field, but I have a slight advantage with young and racialized folks. Am I, am I taking down that path? Where am I building my troops from? And is, it, is, is my pathway to build my ground game unique or is it just the same one that most other campaigns will be will be building any ideas for me around how i kind of build this out if if you know even if i have a nice website and a good launch video i still need to be able to do the 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 functional things in order to to put myself in that buzzworthy position thoughts on building my troops carter yeah you'd need to bring it you'd need to bring a a group of people right like this wouldn't be one of those campaigns where um, you can start with six or seven people. I'd be the only campaign with the pulse. It's just too short. <laughs> I'd be the only. It, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's just too short. Um, the runway is too short. Like when we found ourselves in this position with Gondek, we started in January. When we found ourselves in this position with with Nenshi, we started in early May. 
um, or even April. I can't recall uh, specifically. But when you start early, um, you have months and months to build this. Allison Redford had nine or 10 months um, to build up to the place where, where we finally had all of those people selling. And, and even then, actually, that probably was an air war campaign, uh, Corey, in the last two weeks. Mm. Right? So I'll put that caveat. But also on. the most like yeah. a general election. Yeah. I say. Well, because, because people become, could buy a membership you become, right up to the literally end. Literally on the spot. become premier. Right. Yeah. Literally right, on the right, spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, probably not a fair comparison. But you'd need to bring in your, your first 100 volunteers from your personal network. And that might be where we fail. Right. Mm. If you and I, if, if you were to say, okay, I've got a list of 200 people that, that might be interested in helping me, I'd say, okay, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, you're making these telephone calls and you need to tell me that a hundred of them are in mm-hmm. or we're not going to be in a position where we're going to, we can make this actually work. Corey, it starts with my network. That makes good sense. Where does it grow from there? Where do I grow my troops from there? Uh, is it with the slight edge I have with certain demographics? Am I going geographic here? Um, how am I building this out? You know, I think what you need to do is make it so even a loss is a win, uh, right? For okay. some of those people in that next orbit out where it's like, look, I'm going to uh, enter this race and I intend to try to win. But even if I don't, we're, we're putting a, we're we're making a big fight here, right? Like we're we're going to make sure everybody is talking about a sales tax in Alberta. That's going to be the thing, whatever it mm-hmm, is. Like, mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the kind of thing that that like excites the loins of people. Right. Yeah. But, like people uh, may not be, like we did it on healthcare, right? Like it, sure. there's lots of that, other. There's lots of choices, but the point would be, you can kind of pick a niche and say, you know, winning is important. What I am going to do if I do nothing else is I am going to take over this conversation, and we're going to make everybody talk about this issue that you and I believe is the most important issue. And so that's a way to get people to kind of throw their efforts behind a campaign that doesn't look like it's got a chance without feeling like they're wasting their time. Right, you've got to sort of define victory in a way for that next door, but not the not the Zane stands, not the diehards who would be there for for any, but like that next door, but out as you talk uh, about not not the two percent of Albertans that are that are buying the posters. Uh, by the way, if we had two yeah, percent of Albertans exactly. buying the Zane Velger for Leader posters, we would uh, we would be losing a lot of money. We're at one and a half, you know. It's <laughs> we bad. would be losing a lot of money. Um, yes, we do lose money on every poster you purchase, so buy as many as you can. Every, every poster. Uh, Don't buy posters. I, I'm not even joking. That is actually true. Every poster we sell. That is a literal We lose thing. money on. We think of them as lost leaders, but we've never actually led anything. Yeah, that's so. true. We haven't really... Um, yeah, we haven't really punted anything from from behind to 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 to, to take the profits. You, n- nice combo, nice combo of poster and mug, break even. Oh, just make a bit that. of money on the yeah. mug. Yeah, that's right. Buy a lot of posters, people. Carter, anything else from me? Yes, from, sir. I think it's back to Corey's credit card, which is why it makes me happy. Uh, Carter, anything else we want to talk about about the strategy here? You, you. So first of all, to be clear, you you have you're not you're not saying that I should quit. You are saying I have an uphill battle. You are saying I am part of a soup of candidates that that have this similar sort of battle, but I can overcome it. That the that the lack of name recognition provides me opportunity, especially with this this runway that we're, we're offered. Um, you have personally advised me that I need to find 50, 50, 40, 60, 30, 70 policies, rapid succession, roll them out. Yeah. You've also said that by March 10th, I need to be in the conversation. You've defined to me what that is. What else do you want to add to me as advice as I take this forward, assemble my team, find my campaign manager, take this challenge on? 
And when I say me, I mean me or anyone like me who's who's looking at, at or has the privilege of looking at numbers no. like this or even the assumption. No, it's you. Yeah, well, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm trying no, to broaden the scope you. here. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of Zane Velge no. talk. Um, what else do you want to tell me, Carter? Uh, keep in mind that victory doesn't necessarily have to be winning. Uh, victory say, yeah. could be, you know, you jump in on this campaign and you ensure that Nahid Nenshi wins or you ensure mm-hmm. that Rocky Pancholi wins. Um, whoever Why'd you, you just choose, list the only two Brown win. candidates? <laughs> well, I just assumed you'd have. A I want nothing more Kath- in the one Kathleen world Hanley. than to have Sarah Hoffman to win right now. And and you are just saying that I'm just a, uh, and these these are your your sentiments, not mine. A Trojan horse for the two Brown candidates that might be in the field. Well, any any any. Naturally, I assumed that. Naturally, uh, obviously, that would be exactly what I. You would feel think. like this was just an no, exercise the to make me a racialized Trojan. My head, you well, smart but, but why? But Here's why? The thing. But why? There's an undercurrent there. I don't want to examine it, Carter. Oh, I hate you right now. I hate you so much sometimes now. Or, now. <laughs> wow. That was Freudian. That was Freudian. Was Holy Freudian. shit. All right. Look, let's be clear. You're hoping to get into the soup. Like, I just want to sort of correct one thing. I am said. hoping. You're not in I'm, the soup yeah, that's yet. True. Right? Yeah, that's true. And, and so, like, the, part of the campaign is is actually not looking like you're deeply delusional about where you are in it, right? And so uh, Carter's comment about... Victory's contextual is so true. Like if you, it, like, let's just say there was a campaign where you just got to the soup, right? Just yep. which we're now describing as kind in of the, the in pack. The, yeah, the yeah. pack exactly in the mix. Holy shit! Would that be legendary for somebody coming from you know absolutely no you know kind of you're not an MLA, you're not like a prominent leader, you you are known to people in Calgary, but you're not like a guy on people's tongues, right? And if all of a sudden you're in the conference, you should be. Hey, listen. Membership, strategist, Patreon, growing all the time, right? Just we'll we'll get there, but uh, that is that would be huge. Like you would be able to walk into any nomination you want. You would have all sorts so of authority. So in some ways, nice uh, to keep on Carter's train of of comparing me only to brown people, it's the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign in some ways, um, where you kind of go from a nobody to a dropout or someone who clearly was not going to win, but like now. Any governorship, Senate candidate, whatever, like, you know, if, if Trump is indeed, maybe even if he isn't president, but if Trump is still, con- you know, the, the center of the weather system that is the Republican Party, Vivek Ramaswamy oh, yeah. is, is kind of has his, you know, has his choice around what he may want to do within that, that infrastructure and still have institutional support uh, to, to, to get over the top and, and, and perhaps be victorious in that mm-hmm. sense. More so than Nikki Haley That's good. I'm, to I'm, continue I'm, our whole I'm, I'm, minority I'm, I'm glad it, theme. I'm glad yeah. it took us an hour and a half to get to this point, which is see brown candidates, for example, Zane, uh, which is good, uh, which is good. Carter, you get the- Listen, this is a big time. You get the final word. A lot going you get on. the final word on this episode. Once again, thanks to our friend Dan Arnold from Polera. Can you believe how bad things have gone for him that he's gone from advising Justin Trudeau to advising Zane Velji? Oh like my just, God. what a tragic oof. thing. Man, people needed really, to. I just uh, people needed to know me in my diapers, and he he, he unfortunately uh, could not be there from the I, from from the beginning. Uh, but I mean, listen, I'm wearing a diaper right now. Well, because that's, that's the only way I can get through these podcasts when they're long like this. <laughs> well, Carter, you have the I final have word. Dan, I'm not even joking. Dan was indeed the. I, I think I like. I made it so sarcastic that I think yeah, some yeah. people would be like, "Hey, was was he fucking around?" No, Dan was indeed the pollster for the Liberal Party and then the PMO, and now. It, Polera, this was a real poll. We are genuinely thanking him. And Carter, you have the final word as we wrap up this episode on the Zane Velji strategy. Zane Velji should run 
it's anybody's game right now. And I would make the same statement to anybody considering at this stage, uh, provided they could put together a team and some money, especially if they could put together enough money to hire me and Corey. Uh, that would be pretty great. Corey? Zane? I want to now give you the final word. Yeah. You know, it's, it was a word we said earlier, but I'm going to say it again. You can look at – when you get a poll like this, in some ways it's kind of like a Rorschach test. You can read an awful lot into it here. One of the things is I, I would be – any one of those camps, I'd look at it and be like, oh, I get it. I actually feel that though for you know for like you know absolute fact it is so open right now and it's going to be who excites this base who builds the biggest organization who is going to develop uh you know the winning team and the winning strategy to get there that's all on the table for people and so look if you're a zane velji is it a bigger lift oh fuck yeah absolutely like let's not kid yourself there are there are three very credible campaigns running around the province right now selling boatloads of memberships but it's not impossible. There is still time. What's going to be interesting to see is, is uh, as this race shapes up and moves forward, whether anybody does take that Zane Velji flyer, right? Whether uh-huh. anybody says, hey, you know what? I can get into the conversation right now for $20,000. And maybe I can't get to the next $20,000 or the 20000 after that. But I can fucking talk about the things I want to talk about. And we can have a pretty good time doing it. That is an and that, it that's a really a interesting races. point from like a return on investment, Corey. Like if you have yeah. a person who is credible and clearly not just like a front for something, but has something to say and has 20 grand yeah. that they can put together. It's actually a pretty decent ROI when you consider all of the other instruments available in terms of advocating your positions and your priorities to a, 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 a group that, as Dan says, has a chance of forming government, you know, is is not like outside of the realm of possibility that the NDP formed the, the next government. Um, a pretty decent ROI. I think that's a really good point. And on that point, Carter, we're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1286 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter, joined by Dan Arnold. And we'll see you next time.